0: Log Talk Radio. everybody welcome to the michael cutler hour i am your host michael cutler it is friday night it is august the 26th 2022 Uh, so good to uh, be able to join you glad you're uh, on the other end of this conversation uh, one-sided as it might be um because there's just so much going on and um you know the more you look at the news the more you look at the situation that america americans find themselves in Um, We've got many problems, and unfortunately, we're not getting solutions from the political class, and in particular, this Biden administration and the radical lunatics of the left. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I don't consider myself on most issues to be a conservative, but I have to tell you, these labels are crazy, just the way that identity politics is crazy, you have these pollsters talking about what black voters want and Latino voters want and green and purple and polka dot. Those demographics are crazy. And the funny thing is that Fox News will keep saying that we've got to get away from identity politics. And then the next story may well be how a particular block of voters is reacting to this administration. How is that getting away from identity politics? You know, there are certain ways of looking at voters that make sense. There are certain demographics that make sense. I'm retired. My concerns are very different from my children. My concerns are very different from people who are in middle age or just getting out of college. If you don't have a career yet, you're concerned. How will I support myself? How will I be able to buy a house? If you're retired, then you worry about other issues. If you live on a farm, it's very different than if you live in the city. If you have a college education and a profession, it's very different than if perhaps you have a job that would not qualify as a profession, per se. And that's not a a, a value judgment. It's just a statement of reality. If you're living on a farm, you're you're concerned about the price of soybeans, probably. I doubt too many people living in midtown Manhattan care about soybeans. I mean, these are reasonable demographics that should be considered. Income should be considered. Whether or not someone has children will determine how concerned you are about education. Again, there's ways of looking at voters that are rational. But this notion that we're going to divide America up by skin color or by ethnicity, in my judgment, it's anti-American. That blacks or Latinos or whites or people who are Christian or Jewish or of any other faith really have principally different hopes, concerns, and so forth. All Americans, if they're rational, I think, want to live in a safe environment. They want their children, if they have children, to get a quality education that will enable them to pursue whatever path they want to take once they get out of school. They want to be prepared to be successful and happy and productive adults. This isn't difficult. And even when we disagree, we've turned America into a big food fight, and it started when I started going on television shortly after 9-11. I had producers saying to me, Mike, they want to see spirited argument. If the other guy cuts you off, you cut him off. Wait a minute. We're supposed to be having conversations about national security. This isn't supposed to be a barroom brawl. And, and so we've really got to get away from that, and we've got to break up all these myths. So, you know, I like to be a myth buster, but no explosive necessary Uh, here the way they did it on TV. We really need to get past the rhetoric and the BS and the nonsense. You know, I I discussed last week an article that I wrote for Front Page magazine. I want to revisit it today, but for a different reason or maybe to go a little bit more in depth. But what what I wrote for Front Page, and I hope if you haven't read the article yet, that after my program you will and share it with as many people as you can. And my t- the title was New York City's Mayor Adams, Immigration Theater of the Absurd, It's Time for New York City to End Deadly Sanctuary Policies. And I thought it was absolutely nuts. The governor of Texas, in order, I guess, to highlight what they're going through, decided to put a bunch of illegal aliens on buses and ship them north, ship them to Washington, D.C., ship them to New York City. And Mayor Adams had a meltdown. Oh, my God, what are we supposed to do with all these people? And I had to laugh. And if you read my article, I compared a few busloads or even dozens of busloads of illegal aliens being sent to New York the same way that you should look at a couple of truckloads of sand being dumped at the beach. Oh, my God, you ruined the beach. You sent us some truckloads of sand. What do you find at the beach? Sand. Are you giving us more sand and we're going to complain? In 2000, I believe it was 16, the Pew Research Center did a study, and others have done studies, and it was determined, incredibly, that the city that has the greatest number of illegal aliens, and these numbers are all off the wall, and I don't think anybody knows what the numbers are. I mean, for how many years we've been hearing there's 11 million illegals? For years. Uh, I mean, you could go back 15 years ago, and they keep on coming, and they keep saying it's 11 million. It's kind of like the clown car. No matter how many come out of the car, there's still more. Uh, Yale University, back in around 2018, 2019, said that there was more than double that, probably about 22, 23 million. I think they're even off. Nobody knows. Trying to figure out how many illegal aliens are present in the United States, It is a bit like, I like to use analogies, trying to figure out the mass of a black hole. I've always been into astronomy, so this seems to work. Black holes, by their nature, are invisible. They absorb light. That's why they're called black holes. So if you can't directly measure them, you can't see them, how do astronomers and astrophysicists determine how massive they are by the impact their gravity has on the space immediately around the star? They look at gravity lensing and how quickly stars revolve around the black hole. For example, there's a supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. So they're able to measure the speed of stars that are very close to the center and how quickly they move and so forth. So it's by indirect means. How do we measure how many illegal aliens are here? If you run the border, there's no record of entry. And increasingly, municipalities around the country don't even ask people about their immigration status. In fact, some cities don't even ask people that they arrest if they're American citizens or not, and they should. Because if the person is an alien and has a green card or is here illegally, they can be deported when they come out of jail. If they're here illegally, they could just be deported even if they're not convicted. Why would you not want to remove people from your towns or city or state who are creating a hazard to the lives and well-being of the people that live in that state or in that city or in that town. This is nuts. You know, and I wrote an article a while back that this whole nonsense of catch and release, which the Border Patrol complained about bitterly, also plagued interior enforcement. You know my background. You know, I, I spent 30 years at the former INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service. I began my career back in 1971. I went to the Border Patrol Academy in 1972 for the Immigration Officer Basic Training Program because I began my career as an inspector. So back then, anybody who was hired by the old INS went to the Border Patrol Academy, which I thought was really strange. There's a lot more to immigration law enforcement than the Border Patrol. So let me not be misquoted or let me not confuse anybody. I'm a big fan of the U.S. Border Patrol. They did dangerous, important work to protect America. But that's not the whole story, not even close, not even close. Border patrol is only one element of of several. And when I testified before Congress, before the Immigration Reform Caucus back in November of 2001, roughly six weeks after 9-11, and I had been talking to Congress uh, before that unofficially, not as an agent, but as an American, Shock of shocks, Americans are entitled to talk to to, to their elected representatives, and it made a lot of people I worked with nervous. What are you doing? Oh, you're talking to your senator. Why are you talking to these politicians? I said, because who knows better than us what needs to be done to fix the problem? This is crazy. I worked with Senator Al D'Amato in the early 80s to create the aggravated felon reentry law that makes unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a 20-year maximum felony. Up until then, any alien who was deported and came back no more than two years in jail. And because of that, prosecutors almost never prosecuted aliens who were deported and came back. There was no consideration given to the criminal history of that individual. And what I told the senator was, you know what? If we deport a guy who's working in a bakery or a sweatshop or on a ranch and he has no criminal history and he comes back two years, is fine in terms of a punishment but if this guy is a rapist, a child molester, a murderer, a bank robber, a drug dealer, we deport him, we need to send a clear message that if you come back, you will face severe consequences to deter them from coming back. And and D'Amato agreed, and that's how we came up with the idea of 20 years in jail. A gentleman named Walter Connery, who was the head of investigations in New York at the time, former New York City police officer, head of internal affairs for the NYPD, Retired from the PD. He had a law degree, came to work for INS, went to headquarters as the head of our internal affairs, got into fights with our bosses, believe it or not. They didn't like anyone telling them how to do things. Amazing. Imagine (laughs) Imagine being made accountable. Wow. So they gave him a choice, either resign or go to New York and head up investigations branch. So he came to New York. I had the privilege of working for Walter. He didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what he was doing. And one day we compared notes, and it turned out that after I had uh, provided the senator's office with roughly 30 of my colleagues to confirm what I was saying about the need to change the penalty for unlawful reentry, and Rudy Giuliani got involved at the time he was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District in New York, well, Walter Connery had sent Senator D'Amato a legislative initiative making the very same recommendation. So they acted on Walter's legislative initiative, Al D'Amato was all in with us. We got the law passed, and I became the first immigration agent in New York to arrest an alien for reentry after deportation. He was a Dominican drug dealer who had a green card, spoke fluent English, had been living here for a couple of years, number of years. He had every opportunity, and instead of you know doing the right thing, he got involved with drugs, crimes of violence, guns, extortion, robbery. And he was shocked. I took him out of jail said, you're not going home yet. You're going to detour. <laughs> he thought I was kidding. I went to his sentencing. He got hit with five additional years in a federal jail for unlawful reentry. Great law. So that's part of the Interior Enforcement Program, and that's what I want to talk about today. But what I want you to understand is that somehow when you talk about immigration law enforcement, all anybody thinks about is the Border Patrol and the Mexican border. And there's been a lot of hype. There's been a lot of hype. Everyone, every member of Congress, both sides of the aisle, we want to have a massive amnesty, which makes no sense. So first we're going to secure the border, and then we'll deal with those who are here. Secure the border. Where's the border? Well, it's remarkable, because once the governor of Texas started shipping illegal aliens on buses to New York, suddenly the media says, now every state's a border state. Now? You mean before the busloads arrived in New York, compliments of of the Texas governor, we weren't all border states? Baloney. I made that statement, in fact, that every state is a border state shortly after 9-11. When I testified before the Immigration Reform Caucus, I talked about the need for interior enforcement. I called it the immigration tripod. The Border Patrol enforces the immigration laws between ports of entry. It's called interdiction. Okay, okay. The inspectors, they did that job for four years, enforced the laws at ports of entry determining who can and cannot enter the United States. But what's always been left out is the interior enforcement mission carried out by immigration agents, pardon me, and deportation officers. And their job is to enforce the laws from within the interior of the United States. And not just because I did that job, but because I did the job, I came to understand just how significant it is Interior enforcement is the most important job of the entire immigration service. Not interdiction, but interior enforcement. Again, not to slight the border patrol. Interdiction is important. We need to do it. But but let me ask you a question that I asked members of Congress when I had some closed-door sessions with them shortly after 9-11. And it was amazing. Back then, everybody was on the same page. Do you realize we're now approaching the 21st anniversary of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001? and what does that mean? Well, there are people who are 21 years of age and are actually older, because if you're three, four, five, six years old, you really don't have knowledge of what's going on around you. But in, in reality, we have people now literally coming of age, 21 years old, who were born after the attacks of 9/11. They don't have the memories that we do, those of us who live through it. And talk about living through it, I'm a New Yorker, and on September 11, 2001, the ashes from 9-11 landed on my house, landed on me. My neighbors died. I will never forget my neighbors out in the middle of the night wandering the streets like zombies, crying hysterically, some collapsing on the sidewalk. They knew they would never see their mothers again, their fathers, their children, their brothers, their sisters, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their fiancés, their wives, their husbands, their parents, their grandparents. They were never going to see them again. Gone. Poof. Never even recovered the bodies. Oof. And the death count from 9-11 continues. And the people in government at the time, George W., kept saying that for the terrorists, to succeed, they've only got to get it right once, and for America to be safe, our people got to get it right 100% of the time. Who could forget that? And then George W., who I have big issues with, disingenuously said, we're fighting the terrorists over there so that we don't have to fight them over here. If ever there was a dumbass statement, leave it to George W. What do you mean we're not fighting them over here? What was the Patriot Act? Why do we almost have to go through an annual physical in order to get on an airplane if we're not fighting them over here? How many terror attempts were carried out in America since 9-11? How many were thwarted in America? What do you mean we're not fighting them over here? And if you look at the way that George W. created the Department of Homeland Security, he purposely undermined the entire mission. Don't take my word for it. A gentleman by the name of John Hostetler, who was the Republican chairman of the House Immigration Subcommittee, said that the way DHS was put together, ICE being separate from Customs and Border Protection, right, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, customs, splitting it in half, which was not supposed to be done, including other agencies such as Customs and Agriculture and TSA, that wasn't supposed to happen. And then putting people in charge with zero immigration background, thank you, George W., well, what John Hostetler said was that the administration, meaning the administration of George W. Bush, gave us immigration incoherence. Chairman Hostetler's words, immigration incoherence, making it impossible to secure the borders, enforce the immigration laws, or protect the American people. That's the gift of George W. I was told that every time I testified before Congress, George W. would scream obscenities. I know I spoke to several members of Congress who told me they were with him when my name came up in conversation. Or they looked over and and watched one of the hearings. And Bush would go insane and start screaming obscenities. I wish I had a video I'd put it on for entertainment. Because any day I could piss off George W. Bush was a good day for Mike Cutler. What do you think of that? And it was ridiculous. I'd get calls from the subcommittee. And these were Republicans, folks, people with real cojones, with real footstep, with real moral fiber. And they'd call me up, and I'd say, okay, what did he do now? And we all know who the he was. It was George W. Well, we gave him enough money to hire 800 new ICE agents, enough money to hire 2,000 Border Patrol agents. And he cut the 800 ICE agents down to 143. He cut 2,000 Border Patrol agents down to 210. Sheila Jackson Lee complained bitterly at a hearing about that. They gave him money to, hire, to, to buy or, or uh, provide thousands of detention beds, and Bush only acquired a, a fraction of the number. And Sheila Jackson Lee said, what are you doing, tempting us to, to debate this with you? You need to give us what we need so we can enforce the laws and protect Americans. I actually testified to Jackson Lee at two hearings. But over time, they all veered off course. Somehow they were gotten to. But it didn't take much to get to George W. Bush because he was always a globalist. He was the guy that put the Border Patrol agents Ramos and Compion in jail for basically doing their job on the dangerous Mexican border. The one that Jeb Bush said that illegal immigration was an act of love. Wow. I wrote an article after that brilliant statement, and I said that, Jeb was looking for love in all the wrong places. But it all started with the language that we're going to refer to, illegal aliens, as immigrants. And that started with Jimmy Carter, and it was Orwellian. America was built by immigrants. Anybody who comes here is an immigrant. So if you want to stop anyone from coming, you're anti-immigrant and anti-American. And you have no idea how many times I've been accused, oh, you're a racist, you're a xenophobe. Really? Why am I living in New York, the most ethnically diverse city in our entire country why it's not xenophobia if you look at title eight United States code section 1182 it enumerates the categories of aliens who are not to be permitted into the United States there isn't a single word not a single word that deals with race religion ethnicity not one word aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases think COVID think about Ellis Island as a quarantine station aliens who are severely mentally ill aliens who are criminals Terrorists, spies, human rights violators, war criminals, fugitives from justice, human traffickers, drug smugglers, aliens who lied on applications uh, for visas and other immigration documents, aliens who had been previously deported, aliens who, if they work, would displace Americans or drive down the wages of American workers. Who could be against laws like that? The Democrats used to be all in. Bernie Sanders, back around 2006, 2007, stood shoulder to shoulder with the AFL-CIO and declared anybody who knowingly hires an illegal alien should be prosecuted because you're destroying jobs and wages for Americans. There's very little that I agree with Bernie, but I certainly agreed with that statement and that sentiment. What happened? Well, they were gotten to. They were gotten to. It's outrageous to me but always the ploy has been to put everything back on the Mexican border. Once we secure the Mexican border, everything is cool. So when I had a meeting, closed-door session with members of Congress, I asked them a simple question. I asked them, how many times does an aspiring illegal alien have to attempt to run the border and enter the United States before he or she succeeds? And I think it might have been Lamar Smith. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it was Smith who at the time became the chairman of the um, House Immigration Subcommittee, and then he became the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. And and Lamar looked at me and he said, Mr. Cutler, you mean there's this specific number? And I said, no, 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 there's not a specific number, but it's a formula. The formula is one more than the number of times they get stopped. Now, what does that mean? Any alien." who is determined to enter the United States illegally will ultimately succeed. That's a fact of life. Forget about the corruption of the Biden administration that has erased America's borders and eliminated immigration law enforcement. I mean, obviously, their goal is not one of compassion. There's no compassion with over 100,000 fentanyl deaths of overdoses. That doesn't include people who die because people who are high get behind the wheel of a car and mow people down. It doesn't include the violence associated with the cartels on both sides of the border. It doesn't include the violence of the gangs that fund their criminal activities throughout America by drugs. It doesn't include the fact that Hezbollah is funding terrorism through the sale of narcotics in the United States. If you really want to look at the death count of the Biden administration, you're looking at millions of people around the world. And of course, who could forget Fast and Furious under the Obama administration. Well, just about everybody has forgotten Fast and Furious, haven't we? The corruption of that wacky investigation where guns were allowed to, quote, walk. I guess they grew feet. They walked into Mexico. Do a thing. Border Patrol agent Brian Terry killed apparently by one of those guns. Let's not remember that. So the carnage is off the charts. We lost 3,000 people on 9-11 and how many people every year? because of our open borders? I don't even know where to begin the death counts. The only thing I could imagine is perhaps the Biden administration is beholden to the funeral home business because sure as hell they're drumming up record levels of business for the funeral homes, aren't they? How else could you look at the insanity that's going on? It enrages me, it should enrage you. It should enrage everybody. So the point is that any alien who wants to get into the country is gonna succeed. And even if we were for real on the border, once they get into the country, what happens? Well you have sanctuary cities that harbor them and shield them, that transport them. If you or I did that under Title Eight, United States Code Section thirteen twenty four, you would go to jail. Harboring, shielding, smuggling, aiding, abetting, encouraging, inducing. Very simple. These are felonies. <clears throat> then we get the other lie that immigration law violations aren't really criminal violations. They're only administrative. It's like Jaywalking or double parking. There's a technical word for that. Bullshit. I started out by talking about how I'd worked with Senator Aldamano to create the aggravated felon reentry law, which can wind up with an alien spending up to 20 years in jail for unlawful reentry. That is not an administrative violation. That's a pretty serious felony, 20 years in jail. Commit immigration fraud in conjunction with terrorism, that's 25 years in jail. The, 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 again, the big lie. Immigration law has criminal statutes, just as it has administrative statutes. Administratively, the goal of immigration law is to remove aliens from the United States, in other words, deport them if they enter illegally or violate the terms of their admission in terms of the visa that they're granted. When I was a new agent, if we found somebody working in a factory, for argument's sake, or a gas station, and that person had a passport, and that person was lawfully admitted into the United States and then took a job that they were not allowed to take with that visa, There was an easy remedy. Believe it or not, this may shock you, we would handcuff the alien and give him a ride into the office. We would lock him up in the immigration jail, and the next morning he would see an immigration judge, and generally by the end of the week that alien would back out uh, in his home country, Period. Period. What's the purpose to various types of visas if violating the visas doesn't matter or entering without inspection doesn't matter? It's like saying we're going to have speed signs all over the highways, but if you drive through a school zone that says speed limit 20 miles an hour and you go 93 miles an hour, the cop will just smile at you and say, have a nice day. What's the point to speed laws? What's the point to any laws if there's no enforcement? The president took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. Article 4, Section 4 says that the states are to be provided with protection against invasion and domestic violence. This is an invasion that we're witnessing. But this level of dysfunction is off the charts. So you have people coming into the interior of the United States with no consequences. So why do you think people are coming to the United States illegally? Why shouldn't they? If you knew that you couldn't be stopped for speeding and you had a lead foot, do you think you would be deterred from speeding? You know, in New York we had an avenue, Queens Boulevard, that was given the name of the Avenue of Death. Why? It's a very big, broad roadway. It has a service road with, with little islands, you know, concrete slabs. together, I think it covers like 12 lanes of traffic. And the lights would change too quickly. People would get caught trying to ch- you know, cross the street. And these nitwits would be gunning the engines, and they'd take off, and they were mowing down pedestrians. We were losing the pedestrian every couple of days, believe it or not. It was unbelievable. So what was the solution? The solution was to put up big radar units with big sites telling the people driving the cars how fast they were going. But that's not enough. It's the one thing de Blasio did I agree with, because nothing else he did was worth squat. But there were police cars underneath those big radar signs with the speed on it. And if you passed the speed limit, that cop was going to come after you and give you a ticket. And if you went fast enough, they'd arrest you. And you know what? The carnage stopped. The boulevard of death, no more. Why? We enforced the laws. Very simple. We didn't need new laws. We just needed to enforce the laws on the books, kind of like immigration. You punish people who do those things you don't want them to do. If your child doesn't do his or her homework, you don't give them an ice cream cone. You tell them there is no ice cream and you're not going to the movies, right? There's got to be a negative consequence. A long time ago when I was on Lou Dobbs Tonight, Lou asked me, it was one of my first appearances, he said, Mike, what in the world is going on? All these people coming here. I said, Lou, look at it this way. Nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides. So here we have the American people paying for these folks to ride, and you are surprised they're coming. And Lou laughed and I laughed. We actually had a break for an unscheduled commercial because he laughed that hard. But it's accurate. Nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the ride. And then when they testified before the Select Committee on Homeland Security, a couple of years later, one of the members of Congress asked me at that hearing, well, what do we do with the people who are here? And, of course, the lie by these immigration lawyers, and they're on both sides of the aisle, Zoe Lofgren is an immigration lawyer, Bob Goodlatte, who preceded her as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, immigration lawyer who specialized in H-1B visas. And so they had this hearing. And, and you know, we always hear, well, if we can't support them all, we may as well give them citizenship, right? Why? What do you mean if we can't support them all? I'm Jewish. I like to answer a question with another question. And when people say to me, what would you do with the people we don't catch? And I said, what do the cops do with the speeders that they don't catch or the drunk drivers they don't catch? You try to catch as many as you can. You give them the sternest punishment possible, and you publicize it. That's all. That's all. Right? That's what you do. You know, Jews answer questions with another question, and that was my question. What do they do with the drunk drivers? Don't get caught. Nothing. You hope to catch them the next time. So we have this nonsense. We're going to legalize them. Really? And so I came up with the corollary. I said, if nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides, think what happens at the amusement park at the end of the day when they turn off the lights and shut down the rides. Everyone heads to the exit. Simple concept. So part of that is what interior enforcement is all about. All that the Border Patrol does is one mission, interdiction. You try to run the border, they're going to stop you. You're going to try to move drugs into the country or weapons, they're going to stop you. That's their job. Period. Period. Immigration agents, and I was in every squad within the investigations branch, so I'm speaking from firsthand direct knowledge. I was an immigration agent for 26 years. Number one, you certainly arrest illegal aliens. Number two, you go after criminal aliens, aliens who were deported and come back. As I said, it was was a a wonderful thing to be able to work with Senator DeMoto to create that law. So you arrest them. You go after employers who knowingly hire illegal aliens. It's it's called worksite enforcement. You work on task forces. You spent 10 years with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, known as OSADEP, Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force, where I brought to bear my specific authority and resources as an immigration officer. ICE agents do that the Joint Terrorism Task Force has more ICE agents. Why? Because if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, and I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission, I've investigated and arrested terrorists as an agent. They almost all commit immigration fraud. So what's the key? Uncover immigration fraud to make sure that they're not coming in by committing fraud or hiding in plain sight by committing fraud. What kind of fraud? lying about their identities, lying about their affiliation with criminal or terrorist organizations, entering into a sham or fraudulent marriage or other such arrangement to get a green card that puts them on a path to citizenship. Okay, and I'm going to read something shortly to you from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel about how significant immigration fraud is to national security. That's not the job of the Border Patrol. And, you know, someone sent me an article. And what he said to me, he's a good guy, former naval officer, brilliant guy, brilliant, brilliant guy. You know, he's one of those people that I consider it a privilege, that he's a friend. But he said, rather than 87,000 IRS agents, we need 87,000 Border Patrol agents. Well, no disrespect to the Border Patrol, I'd rather see 87,000 ICE agents. Because ICE agents can go after the fraud, which is the embedding tactic of choice for the terrorists, and that's just on 9-11. Immigration agents go after the crooked employers. Immigration agents go after crooked lawyers. Uh, I I helped work on some cases where we put a couple of lawyers in jail. Very rewarding, very satisfying. I remember one lawyer that we arrested up in it when I was with ATF who was involved with a whole bunch of crimes, including loan sharking, and eventually it led to murder. He was involved with the mob. And when they arrested him, I asked him, I said, you know, normally we're supposed to give people we arrest the Miranda warning and admonish them that they have the right to remain silent um, or talk to a lawyer before we ask them any questions. I said, seeing as how you're a lawyer, I guess we could say that you have the right to talk to yourself before we ask you any questions. Somehow he didn't like my humor, but the other agents on the scene thought it was kind of funny. I have a twisted sense of humor, too many years in law enforcement. Immigration agents also work with the, the gang unit. So if you really want to look at what immigration agents do, it covers the vast spectrum of law enforcement that goes back to the way we give citizenship to aliens, lawful status, political asylum, uh, and the way that we go after people who conspire to violate the immigration laws to smuggle aliens into the United States. I was part of the first anti-smuggling unit here in New York City back in the late 70s. By the way, interesting story. The reporters are now racing to the bus terminal in New York City, Because the buses have illegal aliens on board, and except here they're getting a kid glove treatment. Hi, how are you? Welcome to New York. Here is your your gift bag. Uh, We're going to take you to the hotel. You look like you need a shower. We've got some fresh clothes for you. What in the world is that about? As an immigration agent, we used to surveil the flights coming in from the west coast, what we used to call the red-eye flights. They'd fly in during the night. We'd get to the airport at, oh, dark 30, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning, and surveil the flights coming in from the West Coast. And on almost every flight, we had illegal aliens, and some of them were still wearing their mud-encrusted boots from wading across the Rio Grande, I kid you not, which gave us immediate probable cause. We went to the bus terminal, did the same exact thing. In fact, in one case, we were alerted by the LAPD about a Mexican who had been informally adopted by an old Anglo couple. They didn't have children. This kid was homeless. They took him in. He got hooked on drugs, and one day apparently he decided that he needed their money more than he needed them, so he was believed to have killed the couple, grabbed their money, and jumped on a bus, and we grabbed him here. Unfortunately, there was no DNA testing. This was in the early 80s, but all we were able to do was to deport him back to Mexico. But that's why when I hear this nonsense that now every state is a border state, what nonsense? New York in 2016 had the greatest number of illegal aliens of any city in the United States. It was estimated at 1.1 million back then. So now a couple thousand illegal aliens get shipped to New York, and Eric Adams is jumping up and down screaming, oh, my God, he's ruining my city, meaning the governor of Texas. Really? Governor Abbott isn't ruining your city, Mayor. It's these sanctuary policies that have been in place since the 80s. I wound up testifying at a horrible trial. Physically deported an alien from Panama by the name of Ronaldo Reyeside. He had a green card. Lost it because of drug trafficking crimes, crimes of violence involving guns and physical assault, excuse me, we deployed him, and he came back, but because of sanctuary policies in the 80s, the NYPD could not tell us that they had arrested him several times. Ultimately, he's arrested by a 24-year-old New York City cop um, by the name of Robert Michati, and he gets into a fight with Mashadi. apparently afraid that immigration might get involved with him. He grabs Michati's gun. There's a gunfight on the street corner in Brooklyn, and he kills a 24-year-old cop. Officer Mashadi's wife was pregnant at the time. I testified at the murder trial. These aren't victimless crimes. So reentry cases, again, that's the realm of ICE agents. So guess how many ICE agents we have? We have about 6,000 for the whole country, 6,000. And we have well over we will have well over a hundred thousand IRS agents with with the extra money now for these eighty seven thousand. They say that it's doubling the numbers. I haven't done the homework yet, but I wouldn't doubt there's maybe going to be 130,000 IRS agents scrutinizing every tax return filed by an American. But meanwhile, Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Homeland Security, um, <laughs> he amazes me. And I warned about him because he was the head of Citizenship and Immigration Services under the Obama administration. And he ordered petitions for visas that, to be approved even when the FBI warned that the petitions involved companies that had a potential nexus to Iranian terrorists. So now he has said that if you lie in an application for citizenship, which is a serious felony, guess what? We will take no action because you're an American, and our government protects Americans, unless you don't get your taxes right, I guess. So uh, understand what we're talking about. Before I read to you um, the section of the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, I want to make a couple of other quick points that are worth it. We're hearing all about the trouble with the Mexican border. Mexican border, Mexican border, Mexican border. Well, we have a Canadian border, folks. What's happening on the Canadian border? Anybody know? No reporting up there, but I can tell you that on July 29, 2022, the Justice Department themselves issued a press release. Quebec man pleads guilty to conspiracy to import and distribute fentanyl. Jason Joey Berry, 39, at Montreal, Canada, pleaded guilty to date to conspiracy to distribute fentanyl and import it into the United States, resulting in serious bodily injury and death. The criminal conspiracy involved distributing fentanyl and other similar substances from Canada and China into the United States. That's over the Canadian border. What's happening up there? Anybody know? You know, there's an old question that says if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? The better question is if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one willing to report on it, does anyone even know the tree fell? So we have a fentanyl operation, bunch of defendants in this case, and they're all pleading guilty to moving lots of Sentinel into the United States, not across the Mexican border, boys and girls, but the Canadian border, but all we hear about is crisis on the Mexican border. Very interesting. On the same day, July 29, 2022, here's the next headline. This one's a real showstopper. Leading ISIS media figure and foreign fighter sentenced to life imprisonment. Muhammad Khalifa executed two Syrian soldiers on behalf of ISIS and served as the English-speaking narrator of an exceptionally violent ISIS propaganda video. A Saudi-born Canadian citizen was sentenced today to life imprisonment for conspiring to provide material support to the Islamic State of Iraq and al-Sham, ISIS, a designated foreign terrorist organization resulting in death. And this guy is living on the U.S.-Canadian border. But we're just going to look at the Mexican border because... Well, I don't know. Someone explained that one to me, the Mexican border. Wow. And the hits keep on coming. And then you have immigration stories that no one wants to cover as an immigration story. And I've spoken about this a few weeks ago, if you remember. There was a woman from Iran who last year nearly got kidnapped by four Iranians who came to the United States. It sounded more like a James Bond plot. She lived near the water in Brooklyn, not too far from where I live and they were going to drug her, put her on a boat, and then they were going to take the boat from U.S. waters to Venezuela because Iran and Venezuela work in close coordination, and then they were going to fly her to Iran for God knows what purpose. Okay? So, thankfully, that plot was foiled. And then, just last month, a, 40, a 23-year-old man by the name of Khalid Mediev, and in most media, including Fox News, unfortunately, they described him as a New York man or a man from Yonkers, New York. Actually, he's from the Republic of Azerbaijan. And he was observed outside this woman's house, Basi Al- Alinejad, um, and in his car, he had an AK-47 with no serial numbers, but it was stamped Made in China. 66 rounds of ammunition, an extended magazine. We're hearing all this business about assault weapons. Now, what's interesting, and I had to read like 10 different articles to piece everything together because no one seemed to put everything in one place, or maybe one or two did, but that was it. He had an expired employment authorization document. So I don't know how this guy got into the United States, but it's immigration that issues employment authorization, or EAD, documents EAD employment authorization document you don't automatically get one of those okay usually you have to apply for a benefit political asylum or a green card because you're married whatever and then immigration says okay so you can work while your paperwork is pending here's a card that gives you the authority to legally work in the United States reasonable proper that's the way it works so this guy Maybe came in legally, maybe illegally. No one's talking about how, where, when he entered the United States. We don't know if he came in three months ago or three years ago or ten years ago. But you would have to believe it's relatively recent because he has an employment authorization document that happens to be expired. Why did it expire? Was he granted lawful status so he no longer needed that card? Or did the card simply lapse and he didn't bother getting it renewed? We don't know. But certainly this is an immigration story, isn't it? A 23-year-old from the Republic of Azerbaijan, apparently here to either kill or kidnap this Iranian woman who came to America seeking safety, truly what political asylum is supposed to be about, and because we have no control over our borders and an immigration system that encourages rampant fraud. And no one's even curious to say, wait a minute, why did this guy have an employment authorization document? What application did he file? What's going on here? The story was lame. I was looking for an apartment in Brooklyn because the rent is too expensive in Yonkers. And he just happened to have an AK-47 and a briefcase with $1,100 in cash on his car. And if I remember correctly, he was stopped for running a stop sign or whatever. But police had observed him because they are keeping an eye out for this woman, and the FBI was. Um, Apparently, he was ordering food to his car. Sure, doesn't everybody? Um, But no one has the curiosity to say, wait a minute, how did he enter the United States? What kind of an immigration benefit did he apply for? Was it approved? Was it denied? Is he here by himself? Think of all the questions you might want to ask. No, Yonkers man, New York man, we see it all the time, all the time. DEA consistently puts out wanted posters. Have you seen this man? He's wanted to shooting three police officers and trafficking in fentanyl. And they tell you how tall he is. They tell you the color of his eyes. You know what they don't tell you? Whether or not he's an American. Do you think it might be significant to say, yeah, this guy is from China, or this guy is a citizen of the Dominican Republic? You know, not even a thought. Why? Why? It's incredible. Immigration is no longer an issue. The fact that you could put a guy behind bars for 20 years for reentry after deportation doesn't even cross anyone's mind. Under the Trump administration, that was the most frequently prosecuted felony for the entire Justice Department. Not anymore. They could care less if you're an illegal alien, how you got here, when you got here, if you lied on your application. That's cool. You're entitled to do what you want, just as long as you weren't born in America. Because if you were born in America, now you're in deep trouble. And especially if you're a white person and you complain about the curriculum being taught to your children, you're probably going to get a visit from the wonderful FBI. Thank you so much. We've lost our collective minds, folks. So I want everyone to think when you hear immigration enforcement, stop thinking Border Patrol. They do important work, yes, but it's easy to defeat the border. By the way, remember when people were saying these idiots on the left and and the globalists on the right, both sides, they all want open borders. They want to make money. They don't care how many people die. they got to drum up business for the funeral homes, as I've said before. God, I'd like to know how much money is being contributed to the campaigns by the funeral homes, perhaps. That might tell us something, wouldn't it? With all that death, they're having more business now than they ever could imagine. It's a wonder they haven't run out of coffins. So people would say, well, if you build a 12-foot wall, they'll come with a 15-foot ladder. Remember those stupid arguments? Sure. I could put something in your pocket that gets you across that wall. What do you think of that? It weighs less than an ounce, and it sits in your pants pocket. You know what it is? A green card. With that green card, You can wave at the Border Patrol as you stride through that port of entry, and the people at the port of entry will say, thank you so much for coming home. We hope you had a wonderful flight. Hope you had a wonderful journey. The Border Patrol has nothing to do with ensuring that the process by which we issue these documents has an ounce of integrity. Guess who does that job? You got it, ICE. But they're not doing that job because smoking Joe Biden doesn't want anything done to stop anybody from entering the United States. And I had an interesting disagreement with a former official of Homeland Security, and I said, today Hezbollah has, in essence, operational control over the U.S.-Mexican border. And he said, that's ridiculous, and that's not true. And I said, really? I said, does the cartel control the border in certain sectors? He said, absolutely, that's true. I said, does the cartel work closely with Hezbollah? Well, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. If Hezbollah wants to move people into the United States, how much resistance will they get from the cartel? He said, well, they they won't give them resistance. They'll help them. I said, wait a minute. The cartels control our borders, which is insane. And Hezbollah can go to the cartel and say, you see this van with these 23 people? They have to get in, and they're probably going to be part of the getaways, right? And the cartel will say, whatever you need, we'll do it. And you're going to tell me that Hezbollah, operating throughout Latin America, does not have operational control of our borders? Of course they do. And that's just fine for Joe Biden. And I wonder for how many other politicians. The level of of corruption... It's <clears throat> something we should be concerned about. It, it just blows my mind. Not a single commercial on TV warning about the dangers of drugs. Cigarette commercials every day, and some of them I can't bear to watch. My father, may rest in peace, died of lung cancer. Between his Chesterfield cigarettes, which I used to call blowtorches, and the fact that he worked in the Navy shipyard during the Second World War and was exposed to asbestos on construction sites, he died when he was in his mid-50s. I carried him off his job his last day of work. And I was 19, and I still have nightmares about it. I still have nightmares. So I have a rough time watching those cigarette commercials. When was the last time you saw a good, a good commercial warning about drugs? The 12th of never, because too much money is being made? If you took drug money out of the U.S. economy, it would evaporate. You would hear the, the sucking sound as it failed to exist. It would be like, light going down a black hole. We go, poof, gone. That's where we are today. That's where we are today. And that drug money is funding China. That drug money is funding Hezbollah and terrorist organizations. And we're doing nothing, consequence, to impede that. You have 2,000 immigration agents in effect. 6,000 have so many other tasks to do, thanks to George W. Bush, who was supposed to be an immigration-only agency. Instead, they're concerned with intellectual property theft, pity porn, money laundering, art theft, copyright violations, agriculture, TSA. In fact, TSA, wrote an article, is allowing illegal aliens on flights, and their identity document is an immigration arrest warrant, (laughs) pardon me, which is not a secure identity document. And in most cases, we don't even know the true identities of illegal aliens. They lie about who they are. The paperwork just reflects the name that they give us. But that's okay. That's okay. The Department of Homeland surrenders more like it, isn't it? So let me just quickly go to, goodness gracious. First of all, I want to read this to you. Pardon me It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan And carry out attacks in the United States If they are unable to enter the country Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts To enhance border security, no agency Of the U.S. government thought of border security As a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal And I keep making the same point What yo-yos did they hire to run these agencies They can't figure it out Did you want to keep the bad guys out of your country If you want to protect your country In the Wild West, when wagon trains came under attack They gave out the the order, circle the wagons. We even use that expression to this day. What? To create a secure perimeter. In Star Trek, they say shields up, right? Not here. Shields down. Sure. And then they say this. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security is still not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. They're talking about visas, not running the Mexican border necessarily. So think about that. We believe for reasons we discussed in the following pages, it must be made one. It's absolutely incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And then what do they say? Once terrorists entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. For example, Yusuf and Ajaz concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu involved in both the World Trade Center and Landmark Plots, received temporary residence under the under the seasonal agriculture working program. Okay? So understand that. He received temporary residence under the Seasonal Agriculture Working Program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. So he lied, he committed fraud. My very first congressional hearing, folks, I was involved with a hearing back on May twentieth, ninety seven, because of the two terror attacks carried out in the United States in nineteen ninety three. <laughs> The shooting at the CIA by an individual from Pakistan by the name of McCancy, and then the first World Trade Center bombing in 93 <clears throat> that killed six, injured over a 1,000, and inflicted a half billion, $500 million in damages, almost brought the tower down sideways, which could have cost a couple of hundred thousand fatalities. So we all know immigration fraud is the issue. And you have the head of Homeland Security saying, we have no interest in pursuing immigration fraud. By the way, another reason why they're pissed at Donald Trump. He created specifically a fraud unit to uncover fraud in people who applied for citizenship because they understood that this could cause terrorists or enable terrorists as an invading tactic to carry out attacks. All of that got canceled thanks to Joe Biden. Um, In fact, here, I mean, look at this one. Uh, They talk about how the two guys that rented the truck used in the 93 bombing were illegal aliens. They violated their visas. They could have been arrested, not by Border Patrol, but by ICE agents. But that's why we don't have ICE agents, because that could actually get the job done. Now, look at what, what is spoken about here in this particular paragraph. This is page 54 of this 9-11 Commission Staff Report on Terrorist Travel under the title, Terrorist Travel Tactics by Plot. Although there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. In so doing, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents, on aliases, and on government corruption. Government corruption. Interesting thought. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s. Once in the United States, U.S. terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would commit them to remain here. And you have Homeland Security saying, if you apply for citizenship and lie through your teeth, fear not, we will protect you, Right? And they did this by primarily committing immigration, by, by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud, by claiming political asylum, by marrying Americans. And then it says, thus abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement. And who doesn't carry enforcement? ICE, not the Border Patrol. A lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. Well, it's not unwitting anymore, folks. You almost have to believe that this administration is dying, literally, To see terrorists strike the homeland. For what purpose? So they could take away more of our civil liberties? Who knows? This is a sick environment with a very twisted administration. And it goes on and says, It remained largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. And then page 61, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors, again, something ICE agents investigate, and corrupt government officials, human smugglers, clearly have the credentials necessary to aid human tra- uh, human, uh, sorry, to aid terrorist travel. Finally, before we run out of time, page 98. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen Achieving temporary worker status, which is what DACA is, by the way, or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for immigration benefits sufficed to permit the aliens to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. And not a word about ICE, not a word about the Canadian border, not a word about the fact that prior to the Biden administration, nearly half of all illegal aliens in the United States were admitted through ports of entry like international airports and disappeared into the night. Guess who's supposed to go after those? Not the border patrol, but ICE. But ICE. So the real key here is ICE, interior enforcement. And by design, this government of ours for decades have ignored ICE because again, ICE agents also uncover corrupt employment practices and crooked lawyers. What a thought. Please share what I'm telling you with as many friends as you can, neighbors, whatever. Please share the link to my podcast, the link to my articles. We need to have serious conversations especially as the elections approach and just because someone has a little r after their name doesn't mean they're heroes there are plenty of republicans that want a massive amnesty program so we need to be very careful and very specific about who we vote for and the questions that we ask them and we need to start having serious conversations with our neighbors and as a thought don't let end it with a bombastic you know whatever ask them a question if you wouldn't get on an airplane with people that snuck past TSA, why are we being forced to live among millions of illegal aliens who have evaded a similar inspections process that we conducted ports of entry? Please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. I look forward to seeing you again next week, right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great Weekend.